0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org.
2: This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca. Explore Ithaca's waterfalls, orchards, and craft beverage scene. Plan your getaway at visitithaca.com.
1: You're listening to Item 13, an African food podcast, and I'm your host, Yom Akuaku. Aku. Every week, we'll delve into the delicious world of African food, including chefs, curators, and bloggers. Here's the show. It's another edition of Item 13, and this week in the guest chair, we have Ifwa AC of Boswell Foods. Inspired by her daughters, Ifwa started a bottled beverage business featuring herbal teas from across the continent. Starting with the Roselle Hibiscus Tea, popularly known in Francophone West Africa as Bissau, the idea is to craft and produce delicious and low-caloric ready-to-drink teas that are void of artificial preservatives and ingredients. Welcome to the show, Ifwa. Thank you, thank you, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to chat and we're talking offline about Um, some things that I'm excited to include in this conversation for the benefit of our audience so thanks thanks for joining I want I want to start with your story so how tell us a little bit about if where did you grow up and sort of how did you end up where you are today and then specifically ending up in, in food I know that's a lot packed in one question, but I wanted to give you the freedom to go in whatever direction you'd like. In terms sure, of want- sure.
3: Thank you again for having me. So I am originally from Ghana. I immigrated here for college. Um, and, uh, I currently work in finance. Hmm. Um, and the idea for Bosu actually came up, it was inspired, as you said, by my daughters and, um, that was because so it's a couple of things that came together, right? Um, it's a little bit of not traditional. So I was at I was enrolled in Baruch College at the time, mm-hmm. and we had a club, an African club, and we had this event called Taste of Africa, mm-hmm. and always served BSAP, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so. I learned how to make it from there and then I'll make it at home. And so it became like a household thing. And then I also had friends from Senegal, Mali, et cetera, like, you know, friends from the club who would visit and then they would also make BISAP. Eventually it became something like it it became pervasive in households and community gatherings, et cetera. So on uh, one particular day, one of my daughters was like, is there any any reason why we don't see these in stores? And to be honest with you, I had also asked that question, but it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, I mean, it would be lovely to see it in stores, but that's not someone else's problem, right? It's not like, I I don't see myself actually taking on that Mm -hmm. mantle to, to make it happen. Um, and each time that I made it, she would actually, they would actually say, mom, this is actually good. You know, this is something that is uh, in our culture, be it West African or Ghanaian. So maybe we should try to see if we can get it in stores. Um, how how old were your kids when they were telling you? (laughs) This was seven years ago. So they Um, were like nine and 10.
1: Wow.
3: Actually eight, eight. Yes. Eight and like, Um, 10 around, no, five years ago. So eight and 10, sort of, right. Yeah. So they were like, this would be really nice to have it in stores. And then another thing that inspired me was the one in this, uh, in the, in their curriculum, they have this exercise I am from. It's, mm. a, it's a poetry you have to write a poem of I am from and you just take day-to-day things right so you can go like my my daughter's one of her stories was you know I am from Netflix on the weekends like day-to-day things that you do right after. and then in when I read hers I think she was in grade six at that time when I read one of hers she was like I am from waking up to the smell of hibiscus from the kitchen from oh, mom yeah. exactly so I thought wow these girls are serious.
2: Mm. Okay.
3: So let me look into it. So I started looking into what are we going to call this, right? Mm-hmm. We sit up and when you kind of like talk to everyone, it's like a juice. But I'm looking at the thing, it's not necessarily a juice. Um, so it, it, it's a tisane. And I may go, of course, here. So just feel free to bring me back. What? So it's like a tisane, like an herbal tea, it's an infusion, right? So and then I was like, okay, that's true, but is there a market for it, right? What, what is, uh, and at that time, um, I'm trying to make the, the math, maybe it was more like seven, eight years ago. So they were much younger because at that time we hadn't, right now it's different where we actually have some of these products on market, right? So we have the Jinjin Jin brothers, we have, um, exactly. so. And at that time, we, I don't think we had that much. So when I was looking into the market, when you think about herbal tea, um, a lot of it was loose leaf, right? So right. if you look yeah. at Roselle, if you look at chamomile, whatever the case may be, lavender, whatever, the, um, ginger, it was all loose or dried. You don't necessarily have it already packaged coming to you ready to drink. So there was that white that that white space there. So I thought, okay, so there may be something there. And then again, you have to go to how do you market this, and we can get into that, and how do you make it on a commercial scale, mm-hmm. etc. But in the end, that is what inspired me, right? So yeah. introducing it through that club, making it, visiting families and visiting friends and family, everybody making it. Right now, it's a staple at most Ghanian. I can only speak like from Ghana, but I'm sure yeah. it's other. People. <laughs> is a staple in most Ghanaian um, uh, parties, right? If you're not, if there's no ginger and sobolo, you didn't have a party. Um, more <laughs> or less, <laughs> Exactly, more or less. So,
0: yeah. so yeah. I thought,
3: okay, how am I, but what's my story in terms of what is the value proposition mm-hmm. here? And um, it was difficult at that time because there was no yardstick to go by. Yeah. Right, it was really what it is that you want to do. I did do my th- research and I realized that many, even before when I was thinking about it, there was another one called Adina Beverages mm-hmm. and she's from Senegal. I forget, I think her name is Margaret Wad. I, I hope I'm as, um, <laughs> pronouncing it well. Wad or Wade is W A D, Wad or Wade. Oh, yeah And she was the one who actually started it. And then I think she sold it to Naked Juice. So I was like, okay, there we There's really no one that you can really look into. So I just started my research and trying to find out what can be done, etc. And here we are today. (laughs) Long winded, but
1: (laughs) no, no, no. We we will we will unpack that and get into the details because I like I I I knew that this was inspired by your kids, and I think you told me this story a few years ago. But it's just. I think I didn't appreciate like how young they were when they, they sort were. of started to plant these seeds um, with you, and we were talking offline before we came came on air about. Um, so we were having a side conversation about the podcast's audience and um, a light bulb moment that I had that you you know you sharing is that this podcast also could could be helpful for the next generation, right? And it's not something that I have thought about in terms of like first-generation African kids who are in the diaspora and who are looking also looking to connect their culture Mm -hmm. um, through food. Mm -hmm. And um, for those of you who listen to every episode and are listening (laughs) um, in, in sequence, last week I spoke to Samantha, Kote who runs um auntie's ice cream and you know in, part of the conversation we had was how him so she's also first gen um Ghanaian. and part of the conversation we had was how she grew up in houston but her mom replicated as she was describing like her weekends and how she spent them with her mom mm. for me that was also a light bulb moment because it completely and in a different way completely replicated what my experience with on the with my mom was in the weekends right so for her in Houston mm-hmm. on the weekends Friday and I would pick her up they would go to the local ethnic store pick up all their ingredients go to the mm-hmm. fish market get fish and then all day Saturday they're cooking doing mm-hmm. this- so that's how she grew up and she knew nothing else right and for mm-hmm. me I remember going to Makalao Kaneshi with my mom same mm-hmm. same sort of thing so like what you said this morning uh, for me just like all sorts of light bulbs going on. One about passing, remembering to pass on culture and how mm-hmm. potentially this podcast can help do that for, mm-hmm. for our kids, which I hadn't yeah.
3: um,
1: thought about. So um, our kids, I think our kids can be powerful instigators of, of what sort of legacy we can, we can leave for them moving forward. Okay. So that's my digression, but back to, <laughs> back to, back to the matter at hand. Um, I wanna go back. So why, why post for those that don't know, we have a very diverse audience from around the world. Can you explain like the name, how you landed on the name Bosuo?
2: Oh, okay,
3: means. so Bosuo was uh, borrowed from the chief phrase Anopabosuo, which means morning due. Mm-hmm. So I just dropped the Anopa, which is morning and then Bosuo is due. So when I was thinking about starting the company, I was like, what is it going to be called? I didn't want um, anything with my name in it. <laughs> and I wanted something where... It was, um, it was pieced together in a way culturally, right? So I wanted, if my background was Ghana, I wanted something from Ghana in yeah. there. So, I, you know, we have different names. For it. So I'm going to digress a bit. We have different names for um, the result hibiscus, right? Mm-hmm. So Ghana is so blue. I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't think I was going to call it. So <laughs> like, you know, my yeah. bottles are eight ounce bottles, bottles. It was hard enough to fix, fit Boso and BSAP on it. So <laughs> um, I knew I was going <laughs> I to go with BSAP, but then I also needed my Ghanaian connection. Yeah. So I decided that it was going to be a chi. It would mm-hmm. be chi because sometimes that's also a conversation starter, right? Yeah. What yeah. is boso? Where does it come from? What's the origin? So now you understand a little bit from Ghana or you know a, a Ghanaian word. Mm-hmm. Um, and I chose boso because of the 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 significance, like, you know, refresh. You know, what, what does yeah. boso do? It refreshes exactly. Um, and it rejuvenates and it renews, right? Um, in terms of what morning dew does, right? And, yeah. you know, it's more like harvest, you know. Um, I think there's a biblical, don't quote me on it, but I think there's also a biblical <laughs> um, connotation to it where it's more like um, just to, the, to to that extent, harvest, you know, abundance, et cetera, and rejuvenation. So I chose that. That's how the name Buso came about because really I knew I was going sense. to go with Bissap, which is yeah. mainly from Francophone um, yeah. West Africa. Yeah, exactly. West Africa. So I also needed the Ghanaian connection, which is where I'm from. And yeah. so I chose I really
1: like that. that word yeah mm-hmm. um, and then one of the things I also mentioned up top that I wanted to sort of delve in and maybe educate people a little bit on was your um from your learning your research your aha moment that this is not juice but it's tea <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because it was and, and I don't know if you remember this when like when we met you know a few years ago like that for me was one big big sort of realization i was like oh right. actually you're right like it's leaves that as deep in you know what yeah. basically essentially because like, if you yeah. ask me i would say so so below is a juice right it's right. Juice that we right. have at right. events and whatnot so can yeah. you dive a little bit into that and then talk about um your research in terms of like because you also uh, distinguish between it being an herbal tea versus like a traditional tea plant, Okay, right? Right, so
3: that's where, okay, so that's where I started my research from in terms of, you know how um, when we cook, we just cook, there, there's no way I have a recipe for anything I cook, yes. you just put it together, I just tell you the ingredients and you put it together, a little bit of this a little bit of that Mm -hmm. and that's okay that's also the beauty of how we do things but at some point if we're going to commercialize things we really need to understand how we are what the nomenclature is right how we are communicating it to people Mm -hmm. um just so because again like i said if we're going to do this and for the next generation to come we actually have to explain the authenticity Mm -hmm. what used to be done traditionally and what we're actually innovating and how what we what we have traditionally and how to communicate that in today's world. Right? So those are some of the things that I thought about. Like anybody I asked, they were like, oh it's a juice. Right. So I realized that the recipe is such that it is a flower, if you will, mm. and then that's the base. And of course others add juices. They you can add ginger, you can add pie. Right, right. Whatever maybe so yes it would have probably some juices mixed in there but the base itself is an actual tea
2: mm-hmm.
3: but again it's an herbal tea because what we actually call tea is the traditional tea leaves which is camellia sinensis right i think that's the uh, scientific name uh-huh.
1: <laughs> drop it, drop it.
3: <laughs> yeah so that's what true tea is and it comes in black white green Right, um, mm-hmm. and I think there's another one per per. I'm not pronouncing it well, but it starts with a P. And mm-hmm. it all it's all based on the oxidization levels and the um, fermentation levels. So that's what actual tea is, mm-hmm. right? Everything else outside of that is not a tea. We can call it that, but it's not a tea. It's an herbal tea, and they're basically infusion. Oh, so we call those teasains. So they're different types of teasains. So they're like root teasains flower tizanes which is where roselle will fall into mm-hmm. tizanes um so it's basically infusing it however you pro- you you produce it so um i don't know how far back i can go or like you know how much you've like, like your experience in ghana and i'm i'm also very wary on making sure that my experience in ghana is not necessarily everybody's experience in ghana but you know like when you're sick sometimes in the olden days now i'm like mm-hmm. olden days like I'm- <laughs> You know, you can cut the bark of a tree. I'm not exactly sure what bark it is, but I've seen like, you know, my grandmothers, my grand aunts, you're sick and you have a fever. They will cut some barks and some leaves and then they'll cook it together. Those are like root barks, right? Mm -hmm. And they're bitter, but they, whatever it is, whatever ailment is gone within like a day or two. Uh So all of those are tisane. So Roselle will fall under the flower tisane, right? So they're like lavender, um, rose petals, all of that will fall under the terrain or to make it easy, an herbal tea. Wow. So that's what I found out. Exactly. <laughs> really? So that's what I found out. And then I also had to make sure that what we're calling hibiscus, cause it's easy to just call it hibiscus. Right. Course, right. Some others also do the regular traditional hibiscus, but ours, which we also share with the Caribbeans is the result tea. So that is the sorrel. And that is Abisab and Sobolo. So I had to make that distinction. And in fact, I had to make that distinction also on my branding. Because if you look at my very, very first bottles, I had the traditional hibiscus on there because it was easy. Yeah. But I came back and I said, you know what? It might be easy, but it's actually you're miscommunicating. So it's best to actually do it right. So now I had to fish and go find the actual results, see how it will fit on the bottle. And I made that change somewhere along
1: the line. That's, that's a good segue actually to what I wanted to talk about next, which is like the product line. And then also just, um, and I've told you this several times before, your product photography and overall design is just out of this world. And I, I've always appreciated it, but now I have even more respect for it. I've, now that I'm working in a marketing org and I understand how much thought and effort goes into thinking about design elements, mm-hmm. um, even from a product photography perspective. So, like, first of all, as a solo entrepreneur, I have a lot of respect for for you for, you for that because even in you know billion dollar organizations, that's it's a lot to to yeah. do. So, definitely appreciate that. So, one wanted to start with your product line. You talked about the red. Roselle that you use. And I think your primary product right now is the BSAP Rouge. Yeah. Can you share, share with us a little bit about that? You know, Right. So
3: the idea, and that is still the idea. I just have to think about the perfect execution for it because yeah. sometimes as an entrepreneur, too, you get lost in your own mind yeah. and going back and forth. But the idea here was to start with the BSAP and if you remember i actually started with two flavors yeah, white right. sorrel exactly and that, the red uh, sorrel and i can come into this the story of how the w- red that the white is a little bit shelved it's going to come back but um it, it, it just uh, speaks or informs again these high barriers um of entry yeah. also you know the capital Requirements in actually getting these businesses running. So for me, the idea was to actually um, feature herbal teas from around the continent. Oh, so yeah. there's just so many that we can go into. There's lemongrass. There's rooibos. All oh, right. Ooh, lemongrass.
1: Right.
3: Exactly. And then. With ginger, that's also very interesting. Ginger, you can actually do it as, as a real juice where you blend the juice mm-hmm. up, Or you can actually have it at the tea where you actually boil it and then you make it into, again, an infusion, right? So, like-
2: was,
3: so those are the things that I'm thinking about. And ultimately, I'm going to bring it together, even if it takes me 20 years. It's something that doesn't leave me. You know how you abandon... A, a, an idea, but it doesn't escape. It's always in the back of your mind. It comes back all the time. Yeah. So because I had put this idea of Boso behind, I'm like, listen, you have no business. Personal is going through so much as like, you have no business. Mm-hmm. And eventually it was actually revealed that I actually didn't have any business that's in this type of business. Yeah. But I still persevered. Somehow it still came up and I found a way to make it. So to answer your question, that is the overall idea of Boso, mm-hmm. right? Bottled... Um, CPG ready to drink um teas from the continent, low caloric, no artificial preservatives, no artificial sweetness. That's just what it is. Authentic yeah. methods of uh, um preparation, which I will come back to if we talk if we happen to talk about co packers and stuff, yeah. I can come back to what it <laughs> of authentic and then mass producing and commercial. Right.
2: yeah, but
3: but in a nutshell. That is where I, I'm going with this. Um, talking about the white BSAP, maybe it's time, maybe it's not time, but I'll touch on that.
2: Sure.
3: It's, it's less popular than the red. So the supply chain was very
1: Oh, I see. Supply um, like, chain. Yeah,
3: exactly. So a classic example is when you're working with a co-packer, they need a lot number. And this is not, this is actually this is not a way to just bash our supply chain but it's just that it's not existent and even when it's existent it's not up to par in yeah. terms of so if somebody's listening and they want to do that and make it <laughs> and make the producers life easy i i'm <laughs> sure we welcome it so like the white bsap right or even the red b i've had to and I, I think we should talk about this i've had to actually veer from buying it let's say from the bronx or harlem because it didn't have a lot number it just yeah. had an expiration date and the co packer is like, "Um, I need my lot number because regulations to go according to, right. And I need the, um, uh, the certification that comes with the products, right. Uh, The product certification, when it was harvested, what pathogens are in there, what this, what that. So all of that, because Roselle is more popular, I could find herbal companies that could do it. Some in California, Massachusetts, Boston, whatever, that eventually I had to go from. Because when I was doing samples, I'll go to my local store, that's fine. But then when I want to produce it commercially, I just can't bring that, you know? They did it for the sample run, but they're like, once we start this and it's official, we're actually going to need these requirements. So for the white one, what I actually had to do was, get the sample from the local store, take it to the lab, have the lab you know, um, assess it, come up with the report before I could go to the co-packer. That's a cost with time, with money, resources, Uh etc. you see. So it got to a point. And then when you look at the price point, it was hard enough, you know, with the high um, entry barriers, it was hard enough. So I just said, you know what, I may have to shelve this for a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to figure out how to do <laughs> this. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, if it means finding more funding or you know doing it myself, because I've done it in terms of finding a lab, taking right. it there, getting it certified, get a lot number, bring it back, all that stuff. It's just an additional two or three steps in the production process. But if that's what it is, then that's what it is. It's just that I don't have that capacity mm-hmm. to do that right now. Yeah. So, I forget the
1: question. But- <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. Actually, we're, I think we're at a good point to take a break. Okay. And, and then when we come back, we'll, we'll chat more about the business of bringing a uh, product to market. And then some of the lessons you, you've actually started to share that you learned along um, the way. Okay. So um, you're listening to item 13 and we will be right back.
2: This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca helping you to plan your next getaway. Ithaca has waterfalls and wineries, art and theater, outdoor recreation, and family fun. The area is famous for its glacier-carved gorges, co-op-run businesses, and cultural influences from Cornell University and Ithaca College. The area is well known for its local cideries, which are leading the way in America's cider revival. You can hear from the region's cider makers directly on HRN series Hardcore. There is something really special about Ithaca's climate for cultivating delicious apples steeped in history and terroir. The second season of Hardcore is out now. You can learn all about apples and fermentation and dive into how cider makers and their communities are working to create an equitable industry and one that is resilient to climate change. Listen to Hardcore on your favorite podcast app.
0: HRN is home to transformative exchanges about food. We hope our diverse lineup of shows opens your eyes, educates, and empowers.
2: I spent seven years working in the restaurant and bar industry in front of house and back of house. And I just feel like Heritage Radio Network's content helps me feel so well connected to the other creators and Chefs and restaurateurs and all the amazing things that they're doing, I still feel like I get to be a part of the kind of in team.
0: Join us during our summer membership drive by donating and becoming a member. Members play an essential role in keeping nonprofit food radio on the air. Go to heritageradionetwork.org/slash/donate to become a member today. We thank you for your support.
1: Okay. So back from the break and before the break, we're chatting about um, the SAP route and you started to talk about some of the challenges you had with um, the white Rosal, um, and having to, sound to that. For, or pause on that for a little bit. And that's kind of what I wanted to chat on in this next segment was around some of the challenges and then lessons you've learned along the way in terms of doing this. So, I, I want us to take a step, step, step back <laughs> and want people to understand from a step-by-step basis, especially for people that are listening and want to start something, right? Like they've listened to your story so far. I'm like, ooh, someone also planted an idea in my head about X, Y, Z. Like, how do I go about doing that, that now? I think if I, what I would take away from our conversation so far is one, listening to that insight, that nudge, that gut feeling, Two is doing the research, that initial research that you, you shared with us. And then, so you have an idea, okay, I want to do BSAP. I want to do the virtual thing. Like, what, what were some of the initial steps that you took to right, go so from idea to execution?
3: Yeah, so they are pl- the challenges are plenty. <laughs> um, was, I'm still, we're still going through a few now. So, right. so the first thing was, okay what is the product I'm bringing to market? How is it going to be differentiated? Because again, PSAP is not new. We actually mm-hmm. have it in our in our community. So you're not doing anything that is new. It's just that probably you don't see, well, now things have changed. You probably will be able to pick up some version of it in Whole Foods or mm-hmm. whatever. But at that time, um, and even now, even if it's in Whole Foods or Target, it is not like Pure Leaf where you see it at every turn, right? Uh, or in the, your local bodega. And I think that is the idea that we, those of us doing this would like, right. So that it's more pervasive as part of day to day. So that's one of the things in terms of how was I going to differentiate myself? How was I actually going to produce this? What was the production process going to be like? So number one, the way I wanted to differentiate myself was it would be BSAP, It would of course be packaged, but again, what makes it different? I realized that You know, traditionally, we add a lot of stuff. And listen, that's the beauty of this product. You can go anywhere with it. Mm Extracts, you can add add juices. Once you have your base, there's no telling what you can do with it. Mint, whatever the case may be. But I just wanted something simple, something that brought out the flavors, and then something that was especially low caloric, not void of calories or void of sugar, but much reduced than we were actually seeing. Mm either on the market or in our communities, Yeah. right? So that was one of my biggest challenges, tempering it because uh, Bisap as it is, is like cranberry, you know, when you think- yeah, it can be, yeah. Cranberry, <laughs> exactly. So what were the flavors that would bring it out? It, you know, and result has a lot of character too. Mm-hmm. So to be able to balance the sugar and balance the mint and the mm-hmm. ginger and the lemon and blah, 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 I had to go through a lot of- you know, formulations, mm. you know, and my best time was for what, for for what it's worth 2 a.m. when everything is quiet, oh,
1: Wow. Around
3: 1 m., 2 m., when everything is quiet, when nobody's going to pop in and see what's for dinner or <laughs> I'm hungry. That's, <laughs> that's when I did it around that time. It was quiet. I'll mix it up. I'll see what works. You have to put it together because when you get to the co-packer session and um, they ask for a schedule of process, which is a scheduled process, I'm sorry, which is how do you prepare it and at what temperatures? So that was another thing. I was preparing it and just doing the amounts, Mm -hmm. but I didn't even think about the temperature of the water, how long I was boiling it for. So we had to do, I had to do all of that. Um, And then I think one of the challenges was finding a co-packer. So as I did them, I went through a lot of bottles. I started with plastic and I realized that at the at the um at the temperature that I was bottling at the bottles were actually melting or Ooh. they felt
2: soft. Yeah.
3: Right? So that's also a hazard because you you want to think I'm if I'm thinking moderately healthy, you know, you don't want things seeping into the, 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 the product. You want best production, high quality production methods. Um, then the other alternative was, okay, cold brew, if you will, right? Because that's another way to do it. And instead of actually boiling the tea leaves, or I'm sorry, the Roselle the leaves, you can actually infuse them for a while, let them sit. But there's the additional step of sterilization Mm -hmm. where I learned that you have to go to a different, sometimes the Copaca doesn't do it and you have to go to a different plant to do that. So that's another money and time, right? Yeah. And then there was also at that time, now I remember there was also doing it from a commercial kitchen. I also ended up scratching that out because at that time, I don't know how they are now, but commercial kitchens were expensive, from Mm -hmm. my perspective. Um, And you don't have, the way I see it, you don't have that added um, supply or distribution process, right, Um, fulfillment and distribution. So it was literally you, you make it, and the overnight sessions were the um, cheaper ones for me. And Mm -hmm. at that time, just getting a little personal, I was on my way to being a newly minted single mother, Mm -hmm. right? So leaving at night just to do this and come back and then go back to your nine to five, that just wasn't going to jive with me. Yeah. And then I also wanted a business where if I'm not there, it could run. Yes. So these were all the things that are going through your mind at one time. So taking a step-by-step, the product, I said, okay, let's find a way to make the product and what packaging will be best for the product. So you can go plastic, you can go can, you can go bottle. There's so many there are pros and cons to everything. Plastic is lighter mm-hmm. at the end of the day for transportation. And I think can too. Ooh. glass, glass yeah.
1: is heavy. I actually never thought about that. Exactly.
3: Glass is a lot more heavier. So when you're thinking about shipping, you also want to think about the cost too, because it goes with weight. Yeah. But then again, I told you some of this was inspired by my daughters. So they go, well... You know, are you thinking about sustainable methods? I'm like, this <laughs> <laughs> to leave me alone. Um, you know, um, are you thinking about sustainable methods and, you know, maybe glass might be better, um, even though it's heavier in terms of, and I can really go into this in terms of, you know, if you go can, right, the impact to the environment is really at the beginning stages where you're extracting the bauxite, but then after that, you're okay. If you go glass, the recycling method is much more expensive at that time, not necessarily making it, at least from my research, right? But I eventually settled on glass because there's so many ways to reuse that bottle after you. Yeah,
1: I was just going to say, like, your bottles are so beautiful that I can see so many ways of, of, of using it um, right.
2: them as them them
1: a vase.
3: Like, exactly. Yeah. The, and if you look at my Instagram, I had a bottle art featured recently, right? So uh-huh. if you're in crafts, you can actually make some bottle art from that. You know, I have my Bisa bottles right now hold my brushes in my kitchen. Oh, nice. they can be pen holders, you know, you can actually recycle them. Also, if you don't want to do, you can yeah. do other things. So eventually that's how I settled in. But when it comes to production, it helped in, st- in terms of sterilization and staying true to the method of production. So the most common and popular way is really to boil the leaves. Mm. And that was another struggle that I had with finding a co-packer who would do that. And once you boil the leaves and packaging, it sterilizes it. So as soon as you're done and you bottle it and you close it, that's it. You lock it in, I right? Because you have, um, and then it goes through the cooling pro- process and then you're done. And then it's shelf stable for like 18 months. Oh, nice. Okay. Right? Yeah. But if I make plastic, I'll have to find a way to cool it down, which I think exposes it or not. I think oh, it's exposes yeah pathogens, then now you have to actually sterilize it in a different way. So these are some of the things that I am thinking about. It's a trade-off and eventually it comes down to you, the entrepreneur, and what you want to do. I don't think there's a right or wrong way. Mm -hmm. I just think there's the best way for you with the resources you have
1: and your vision. Yeah. And speaking of, speaking of resources, (laughs) one of the big things that sort of hinders people from from doing it. And I will say almost everyone I've spoken to who's on this podcast, most people are doing this on the side. They are balancing a full-time job in addition to their food um, venture. And so for you, like you kind of alluded to earlier, you're also balancing a full-time job, family life with running this business. Um, But then how do you think about, how do you fund your... (laughs) How do you find this? How do you think about funding? What are some of the sources of sure. um, capital that you've either used to research? And um, if you're able to share the pros and cons of some of the paths that you went down when it came to funding.
3: Yeah, so it's an, it's very simple, bootstrapping. <laughs> right. This has been from my nine to five pockets. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, somewhere along the line, I'll probably borrow from a friend um, or family member, and then even you still have to pay it back. Right. I will say that I have won a grant um, to be able to help with the production and marketing. So uh, it was from the Queen's Business Center, Queen's Business Development Center, where they hold um, pitch competitions on on in different categories. So I won um, the food, in one of the years, and I think 2019, I won the food beverage category. So okay. If anybody's
1: listening, um, it is run by the New York Public Libraries. Yeah, so- I, w- I was gonna say just because we have a global audience for the UK people, we're not talking about the Queen. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Okay, <laughs> New York.
3: <laughs> yeah. So this is it's run by the New York Public Libraries. The Brooklyn Library has this. Uh, Manhattan, the Bronx, and then Queens. So, and they partner with you know um, these economic development centers to help local businesses. So mm-hmm. that's how. I got that ten thousand dollar grant. Um, oh, wow, that's that's that yeah. that helped. But ninety percent of this has actually been from my my mm-hmm. my pocket, which has made the situation or my my process very slow. But mm-hmm. it's I'm not rushing it because as I go, I'm learning a lot more. And when I'm ready, I would have had so many lessons learned. Mm-hmm. Um, the food and beverage business or so the beverage business is a very High barrier entry business mm-hmm. if you don't have the money, um, I would say that try and get some money. maybe startup would be to, to avoid stress, just to be okay, maybe your startup would be at the very minimum twenty five thousand you'll be okay with fifty thousand um, and because what it is is. You go through a process where you're not even realizing, you do your taxes and like, wait, where did I find the money to do this? Because you're putting your costs together. You're like, wait, I, mm-hmm. I actually had money to do this? You know, <laughs> it adds up, right? Yeah. So you you do a sample, it doesn't work. You throw it out. Or um, boxes, um, design. You, know, you go through all these different I- I- iterations, IO iterations, and it's, it all costs money. Yeah. Right. Because as you're going, your light bulbs are also going off in your head. OK, this didn't work. OK, can we try it this way? And then you realize you try this way. You can do it another way. And if you're obsessive and, you know, uh, what is it? An, an analysis paralysis. You can go with on this on a never ending journey. But eventually <laughs> you have to put a stop somewhere.
2: Yeah. So, so To me,
3: that's very high. So I think that might bring us to the issue of the co-packer. Again, I said mm-hmm. I was at a business where somebody puts in an order, I send it to the fulfillment center. This person needs eight cases, send it to them. I'm not, I the way I was thinking about my business was it wasn't going to be me delivering from home, right. which is good, which is what some people do, but yeah. you just have to know yourself and know your situation. Again, yeah. there's no right or wrong. There's just right. what's best for you, exactly. So for me, that's how I wanted to run it in terms of the order comes in, it goes to the Copac or fulfillment center, It goes out to whoever it goes to.
1: We all have... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, just for, you know, we've had a few um, entrepreneurs come on and talk about co-packers and it just clicked for me that maybe people don't even understand what that concept is of who a co-packer is because now you're talking about shipping and fulfillment. So maybe if we take a step back and just explain the role of the co-packer and the... Right. So the co-packer is basically a facility that helps you
3: create your product on a commercial scale mm-hmm. or mass produce your product. in a nutshell. That's what it is. They have a lot of regular rules and regulations that you have to adhere to. And both of you and the co-packer will have to also share your vision with your product mm-hmm. in terms of production. So you have to find a co-packer or that facility who's willing to number one, make your product, number two make it at the quantities that you want to make it. And the reason is that, Some of these co-packers also have to make money. They charge you, of course, for their services, but they also need a minimum amount of order to make it worth their while. So for some co-packers, which which is some of the challenges for some some of us is, they would ask for, you have to make 10,000 bottles at a time. Right, because they would charge you for storage. They would charge you for shipping. And there's a way to that. Like the shipping, I don't use my co-packer. I actually make my shipping through Shopify because it's much cheaper because of the volume it goes down. Yeah. But if the co-packer ships for you, there's a markup, yeah. right? So for storage, they're storing the ingredients. They're storing your bottles. They're storing everything. Oh, that's
1: and, right. I may mean, think about that, it. Yeah, they have your
3: ingredients. <laughs> right, so they have everything. So you also have to go through the process of the NDA. They have to make sure that everything is confidential. Mm. You also have to agree that there would be other vendors or I'm sorry, clients of theirs that would probably make the same thing as you, but yours is unique and you have your terms exactly. So you have a vendor agreement as to, and even things in those terms are like, if there's ever a recall, whose fault is it? Is it your fault as a result of the production? Is it their fault? So let's say I use glass bottles and then a customer has a glass, for some reason there's a glass in there, who's going to help? Or if there's a biological hazard or something, are they going to help you? Uh, who's suing in, in your suit? Who's going to <laughs> do what? You know, so it's, it's, it's easy. Uh-huh. But there are lots of nuances to that. And you only start this conversation when you agree that you're actually going to go with your minimum order quantities. Mm. Now, here you are, you don't even have proof of concept. Right. So why am I going to do 10? What if I do 10,000 quantities? <laughs> and that it doesn't sell because that's a reality. <laughs> right? Because Mm -hmm. now you have to find a way to market these 10,000 bottles. So that's one thing that I had to go through with Mm -hmm. the co-packers in terms of who was ready to make small quantities. So let's say just 5,000 or maybe 2,500 as our sample. And then if things go well, you know, we can increase from there. Then there's also the co-packer who has to agree to your methods of production. Mm -hmm. As in for me, I insisted we're going to do this as close as possible. We make it in our homes. So, what i want is i want the result leaves, the mint leaves and whatever it is that goes into the tea bag into commercial tea bags and we're going to use commercial kettles right uh-huh. dip it in like you would make or boil it in like you would as you're making yeah. it. that was like pulling hair through your nose, <laughs> like finding one because everybody's like why don't you use a syrup why don't you use a powder uh-huh. why are we doing this wait like we're actually going to boil like 50 gallon kettles, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and at some point you start doubting yourself, like, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you're not thinking about this the right way. So eventually I settled on a Kopaka who was willing to do this. And um, I think they work with a lot of very uh, um, like uh, uh, starting entrepreneurs. So they understand the, 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 the um, challenges. So, you know, we got the tea bags, the commercial tea bags, like 25 gallon, um, tea bags where we'll put the Roselle in, etc. We got the, uh, ginger, everything, and we make it as much as close as possible as you make it at home. So, uh, now I forget the question, but that is, yeah, that yeah. Is the, the, you know, the challenges that you go through finding one that is willing to go with your products in terms of quantities, in terms of, what you need to use. So now, an example is I've been flooding with the idea of maybe using a camp, right? This is oh. just ideation. It, it is just idea right now, nothing towards implementation. Right. But then this Coke Packer doesn't do that. Mm. Right? This Coke packer I'm using doesn't do that. If we're going to do that, and I was also thinking, Maybe we could also, and I know I'm throwing ideas out there, but it's okay. Like maybe a carbonated version, right? Oh, that would be Exactly, thinking about it, they're like, oh, now we have to go get another person who would bring the truck over, and then we'll carbonate it, and then they will go away, and then we can, then they would can it, exactly. So can it be done elsewhere it can do you have the money to do elsewhere now that's where the you know the real question is (laughs) exactly so you think about all this and then you go and pause a little you're like okay you know what let me just stick to these bottles and see where things go and then we'll go from there so in terms of that that's where i was you know that's a big challenge. finding a co-packer who make it and then after it's done they're going to store it and then you have to come up with a system of how you're going to be fulfilling and how you're going to go, you know, put this to market, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And it's all, it all comes at a cost. So you have monthly bills because you have monthly storage bills, right? So you have monthly bills in terms of what you're storing with them. You have monthly mm-hmm. bills in terms of um, handling. So it won't be shipping for me. It would be handling. So they'll charge you on that. Um, and anything else that you ask them outside of, you know, the normal things that you may want them to do, they have to get, you know, they will have to charge you for that as well. So resources, it really boils down to money and it's not favorable if you're bootstrapping and we can talk about funding, but you're still, you're in, I think for me, you're in the friends and family funding for a long time, unless you have like real resources. Like you're actually in the bootstrap stage for a while, then you go to the friends and family to prove yourself before you even think about other things that you do. At least that's how I think about it because anybody giving you money wants to see the potential. They want to see how sales are going. They want to see right. how things are going unless they really believe in you. And I've had people who believed in, believed in me that like that and given me money, but I'm still not even up to scale as to where it was or where I'm sorry, where it, I want it to be exactly. So really it's bootstrapping. It's, and you have to have the money for it. It's a very high um, entry
1: when it comes to capital needs. That's wow. (laughs) That's (laughs) insightful, but then I think it's helpful for people as you're thinking through it. And then also when they see your product on Instagram or anywhere else, like understanding the the literal sweat and tears. (laughs) Right that that goes into like it landing in in your um whether it's shipped to you or landing on a shelf somewhere in your area um one thing we and I'm kind of going veering off topic a little but I wanted to touch on that we didn't get to touch on it earlier is around the health benefits right of of the of the tea um because we, we touched a little bit on how you wanted to make sure that it was low caloric, there were no uh, preservatives and what have you. And then in terms of the additional ingredients, I think you've been very thoughtful about what to include and what each in additional ingredient like mm-hmm. adds to mm-hmm. the, the, the full formulation, if you will. And one of the things I would encourage as we're running out of time here, one of the things I would encourage people that are listening to, to go to is to go to Bosworth's um, Instagram account where she has, um, so A4 has on Bosworth's Instagram account, um, a Rouge 101 series, which I really like that goes into details on each of the ingredients mm-hmm. and um, what that, how that adds to the entire f- formula of 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 the tea. So, but if you want to talk generally high level the health benefits, um of I guess the formulation maybe as as in total, like based on what's all included in 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 the in the tea.
3: Right. So a lot of it um basically comes from the result itself. What Mm -hmm. it's mostly known for is its high vitamin C content. It has a lot of, it has phenol, so it has a lot of, um, antioxidants. And then another thing that is, um, purported is that it reduces high blood pressure, right? And there are lots of, um, other health benefits, but in a way there's a, there's very little research, but these are the, the prevalent ones, right? Mm -hmm. High vitamin C content, high in antioxidants. And then of course the reduction of blood, high blood pressure, Mm -hmm. um, so then in terms of thinking about the other ingredients that I added, ginger, of course, is anti-inflammatory. Right, yeah. And so is because of antioxidants in Roselle, too, it's also anti-inflammatory. So overall, it has a lot of very good health benefits. Mm-hmm. Even the mint that I put into, right? There are also health benefits for that. Uh, vanilla, I use very pure Madagascar vanilla, which Um, has trace elements of vitamin B, A, um, D, in there. So they may not be a lot, but of course, as you consume it, yeah. it adds to it. Exactly. And then, of course, there's lemon, which actually adds as the natural preservative. And that's also high in vitamins. Oh,
1: I see, because oh, I was wondering how it tastes. Oh, okay, so lemon is, is
3: what does it in terms of. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it's so number one, it's acidic. Roselle itself has an acidic content. So that helps preserve it. So when you add the lemon to it, it adds an additional layer of preservative. Right. Mm-hmm. And then of course, like I said, once we bottle it and we seal it, then that also seals in, mm-hmm. you know, the the product and takes out any pathogen, etc. So the way we do it actually is you seal it and then you turn it up down and then the heat kills any bacteria and you're done. Oh nice. Wow.
1: You know, that's how yes. Mm-hmm. So maybe one day I'll do a behind the scenes do- <laughs> I done. think that would be interesting. Like <laughs> even just listening, you know, through this hour and so much. Like I it's fascinating to me. So yes. So when it goes through the production line, you
3: fill it yeah. up. It's filled very hot, right? It's a hot, they call it hot fill. So it's mm-hmm. filled very hot. And then as soon as you seal it, then you have to turn it up down so that, you know, whatever got into it as in the sealing process, it's mm-hmm. killed and then it goes through a cooler. So you cool it yeah. then and then the labels go on it and then you have your products. But back to the health benefits, mm-hmm. um, it helps with blood circulation um, the, but I think the biggest thing is the phenols that I, that is, um, that is existence in the uh, result itself yeah. and the uh, high antioxidant level. Yes.
1: Nice. Cool. Um, so as we wrap up here, I wanted to chat on like what, when you think about, and you kind of touched on it a little bit throughout the conversation, but when you think about your vision for Boswa, like let's, put a time frame on it in the next five years, for example, what do you see, what's the vision for Boso? What do you see yourself doing with the product and the product potentially like what?
3: So the f- vision is really to add a lot more flavors. So mm. my vision is not necessarily to add a different flavor of what I have with the red, with the rouge right now, mm. but it's to add different types of tea. So if you get a case of a Boso product it should have the different type of teas from the continent ultimately that's the vision
2: okay
3: cool um, and hopefully I should be able to achieve that in the next five years nice. and I hope to be pervasive in many stores mm-hmm. not only the big departmental stores but I want it to be in such a way that you know you can as you pick up an Arizona and you pick up a pure leaf or you pick up like a Snapple, brusso would be there some form of flavor would also be there for you to pick up with your sandwich at the deli or at lunch etc in cafeteria so that's what I'm thinking about um, right now for in terms of vision
1: nice nice and um it's really interesting that I was um well you know this yesterday I was <laughs> I was in one of our ethnic stores um and I remember when I was picking up my stuff I was like and because I had been chatting with you was on my mind that I was like, it would be interesting if we had like Boso or like, you know, whatever else products that I, I chat, tend to chat with people on in, in these stores because I I see them also. And, and I'm sure there's, there's a whole other conversation about getting into those stores and how that all works, but like that. That sort of popped mm-hmm. in my mind yesterday as I was um, shopping. But anyway, I don't want to digress. Before we transition to the rapid fire segment, can you let people know where they can find you online, social media, if they wanted to buy, also, what, what are the for doing so that?
3: Right now, I'm still in just one store and I'd like to keep it that way a little bit because I'm still doing market research in terms of the feedback mm-hmm. that I'm getting. Um, how the product waxes and wanes, um, right. you know exactly in terms of season, in terms of you know if there's a sale, how people react to it; if there's no sale, how people react to it, etc. So, if you're in Manhattan and you happen to be on the West Side, I'm in the Westerly Natural Market, um, right in front of the store to your left um, on wow. those shelves. Very specific for those, yes. <laughs> because because the bottles are small. Yeah. So take care you might miss it yeah. and you know you might not see it but that's where i am unless they've moved it after this conversation but, <laughs> but you can definitely ask and they're different you know they're difference it's a natural market too so they're different segments of how they actually they, you yeah. know, design their product so that's where i am um and then of course you can find us online on bussofoods.com and on instagram at Busso Foods. Okay. so Right. Instagram is mostly for the educational part of it, what the product does, how we're actually exploring with the product, because, you know, last summer I tried to do um, cocktails from it, you mm-hmm. know. Um, popsicles from it, you know, so some ideas of just not it being a tea, but you know, we can make it into different things because why not? Right. Right. So (laughs) Instagram, yes. So Instagram would give some ideas on that. And I'm hoping to also beef up that in terms of content, but basically these are the three places that you would find. Hopefully um, you can find us in in stores in a few months to come.
1: Yes, thank you. And I will will share the links and tag you on social media, all that when this episode comes out so people can click on it directly and get to find you. Um, Okay, so we're gonna wrap up with these rapid fire questions. Um, If you're familiar with them, it's just quick responses, first thought that comes to your mind. I (laughs) won't dive into the reasoning for your responses. (laughs) We're just gonna take it at face value. Okay. Um, Okay, first question. Would you rather lose your sense of smell or taste? (laughs) Uh,
3: Smell. I would like to taste, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then next question. Would you rather have, I feel like I know the answer to this, but would you rather have more money or more free time?
3: Wow. Why do we have to choose? (laughs) That's a
1: point more money because the money will give me the free time nice okay <laughs> are you a and I'm asking this because you, said, you mentioned your 2am recipe night but are you a morning person or a night person morning person <laughs> and then what is one ingredient you can't live without pepe <laughs> spoken like a true guy named- <laughs> 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 awesome well on that happy <laughs> note um we're gonna wrap up this conversation thank you so much uh for making the time to chat with us um today For well, i i'm in awe of your story and like obviously well maybe not obviously but i know you off of off of you know this podcast this platform and right. just um i know how much thought how much time you're putting into, you're pouring into this and um, I'm hoping sharing your story will inspire other people. And um, yeah, we'll be following your story, lifting you up and hopefully five years from now, maybe even sooner. We'll <laughs> we'll see see you. We will see you in more places around the US and globally if
3: you would like Thank that. you. Thank <laughs> you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. Um, it's my, third po- my first podcast ever, as I told you. So I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes, too. And thank you so much for doing this. Like I told you, I know we didn't talk about it that much, but um, like I said, this is very important for the generation after us, you know, trying to teach them what is traditional versus what we're actually mm-hmm. modifying to suit our lifestyle now where we find ourselves right because things have changed we we're not necessarily growing up the way we were brought up and it's important to also hold on to some values and some methods so this is really valuable i find it very valuable and i shared that personal story with you as to how my daughters are now very curious about back home and so listening to these stories and how people are coming up with food stories and being inspired by their mothers or their communities is very important. So thank you.
1: Thank you so much, I appreciate that.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Item 13 is powered by Single Cast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at org slash
0: subscribe.